Welcome back to the What's Up and What's Next podcast, the greatest podcast of all times. Today we're going to be talking about woman empowerment, a very important topic to me and hopefully to you too. It's something that's been coming up a lot. Unfortunately, I wish we wouldn't be here sitting down to talk about it because we are in 2021 and I wish this wasn't something that still had to be emphasized, but it is. Now, I couldn't have chosen a better person to come sit on a podcast and talk to me about this topic amongst many other things other than a very brave and bold woman sitting across me right now. Aisha Muhammad is in banking and she has got a lot to talk about around woman empowerment, personal branding and all things associated to it. Please welcome to the show Aisha. Welcome Aisha. Thank you, Eric. Um, it's, it's a shame that this is a podcast because people cannot see my, my cheesy grin with that intro. Very kind. Um, and oh, hello to everyone listening. I mean, this is a great podcast and I hope I do it justice. Um, and like Eric said, you know, women empowerment, it's it's more than the socio-political environment that we're in. It's, it's a matter that we all need to take personal accountability and responsibility for. Um, so really, really excited to share my journey, share my thoughts, obviously your thoughts are my own. So any challenges, welcome that. Um, and hopefully hear, hear some of your listeners' views as well. That would be amazing afterwards. But really looking forward to it. Thank you for having me. No worries. And I think it'll be really great to like actually get into into your journey. I think that's what I'm most excited about because I think that's what correlates to the whole higher topic of empowering women. Now, before we get into those deep topics, let's just take a step back and yeah. tell us a bit more about yourself, Aisha. Oh gosh, that's always a great question. You know, when somebody says, who are you? And you're like, well, I don't know. So I don't, I don't believe in names and, and labels. You know, it would be very easy for me to sit here and say, I'm a daughter, I'm a banker, I'm a writer, I'm a runner. I, You know, we, we associate ourselves with so many different things. I think m- most importantly, who am I? I mean, I've, I'm a hard worker. I'm saying I'm destiny's favorite child. I think my journey through life has been, it has been a beautiful compilation of, of hard work and, and destiny and fate. Um, I am a banker, so I work in FIG, and I I just got promoted to associate director, which I'm very, very excited about. Um, But before that, I think, you know, you see these kids and youth around you, and they've got this image of, I want to be a Wall Street banker. I was never that. So the reason I say I'm Destiny's favorite child is because everything that's happened in my life has happened for a beautiful stroke of serendipity I don't know how it's happened I don't know why it's happened but it's happening um and I'm just I'm still in the process of trying to figure out who I am so not sure how to answer that one no that's interesting I feel like it's always a very like hard question to answer when someone just asks you directly like okay tell me about yourself it's, <laughs> it almost feels like very like oh what do I say now like there's so much to unpack but I think that was that was a great overview and, and, and I love the fact that you mentioned that you're a hard worker because I can relate and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this can relate. I think hard work for me is my number one value. Yeah. That's one of the things that for me is just it's always constant and, and persistently at the front of my mind that, you know, I need to work hard to get to where I want to be, to achieve what I want to achieve. 
no matter how small or big that is. And hard work really, really is important. And I know for a fact that you worked really hard to get to where you are. And congratulations for the promotion. I know we just spoke about it before starting um, the podcast, but I didn't want it to come like, oh, Eric didn't even say congratulations. Like, yes, I have. I have already congratulated Aisha. Really proud of you for making it to associate director, the youngest associate director as well. Yes. Yes, associate director, yeah. That is insane. So very well done. <laughs> Thank but you. I want to dive deep into hard work. What does hard work mean to you and why? So hard work to me is consistency. Okay, it's very easy to work hard once and say, you know, it's it's people, I think today's generation or today's time, we want instant results for everything. We live a very fast-paced life and we feel like, I've, I've done this much and I, I want to see something happen in the next day, the next week, next month. Hard work is about consistency. It's about following a pattern day in, day out. It's about working hard and waking up in the mornings when you don't want to. I think another thing for hard work is my introduction to hard work or my definition of hard work is very diff- different to the, the typical stereotype. Um, whereas my cousins, so in my extended family, they were taught to work hard academically. They went to the best schools. They went to grammar schools. Their parents really pushed them in their education. It was, you know, get the best grades. It was go to the best universities, become doctors, become lawyers, become bankers. At this point, I didn't even know what I wanted to do. Um, but I think for me, hard work was about actually doing it about so i i didn't do the late night studies because i was working night shifts whilst i was at school to support my family my introduction to hard work wasn't how good are your grades it was how much money am i contributing to the running of my household in my teens it was you know waking up on a sunday morning staying to do a night shift and then sitting an exam on the monday It was about, you know, having an hour lunch break on that Sunday whilst I'm at work and sitting there with a research paper and highlighting everything in preparation for my exam tomorrow because I won't have time today because I'm at work. So I think hard work, it's subjective. It's about doing it when it feels like hell. I think one of my old bosses, one of my favorite bosses actually said, sometimes you've got to go through hell to get out of it. And I think people don't take that that seriously. They think, oh, you know, I've done a little bit. A little bit isn't enough. You give it your all, you absolutely knock it out the park and you'll see the results. But that said, I do, like I said earlier, I do believe in destiny. I believe in fate. Um, I think hard work and, and fate go together. Sometimes you push and push and push and you still don't get what you want. And you ask yourself, you're like, but I put in so much work. Why haven't I got that? Why hasn't it materialized? Because it's not written for you. You don't go against that. And then um, my mother said, okay, well, if you think everything's written for you, then why do you even bother to work hard? Um, To which I reply, maybe it's written that I will only get it if I work hard. You know, God will help you, but God helps those who help themselves. So work hard, yes, you know, drive passion all of that good stuff fantastic don't step on anyone in the way and don't let it get to your head when you do see those successes just keep going 100 percent. and i think it's it's key because 
a lot of people will just be so used to the Amazon Prime days that we live in. Like, oh, it's next day, it's next day. I do exactly. I do something today and tomorrow I see it. Yeah. It's not like that. And you highlighted that perfectly. You have to be consistent. You have to be willing to do it when you don't want to do it. And life is made of a lot of that. There are going to be a lot of things that you don't want to do, but you have to do if you want yeah. to get to the next level, if you want to see the next stage of your life. And and that's the yeah. new normal. That's the new normal. You now do things that you don't want to do so that one day you can look back and think, and think to yourself, I'm so grateful I, I went through hell to get out of it. Like you, you nicely said it. For me, I always say this to anyone that asks me, I was raised by hard work. I literally put it this way. I was raised and I am still being raised by hard work, by definition. Now people will be confused when I say that, but what I mean is my mom, is the definition of hard work. As a single parent raising me and my brother all by herself from little boys into men that we are today, that's not an easy job. It is hard. And I saw that. I saw the amount of effort, the amount of work, the amount of everything that my mom had to put through, to work through, to make sure that we're okay. I saw it all. And growing up and seeing that, there's absolutely no way that I could not work hard. There's absolutely no way that I can work insanely hard and then tell myself, you know what, I don't want to do it. How can I say that? I just watched my mom do the hardest thing ever my whole life. And I'm here complaining, quote to quote, about something that appears to be hard, right? There's nothing that is ever going to be as hard as what my mom had to do. So I have a lot of respect. She's like my my role model, my real model, actually, my idol, my everything, my best friend. So being raised by hard work is something that it's like it's got to my heart. I'll always be following that pattern of I want something, I work hard, I'm consistent and I just go and do it. And a lot of people will look at hard work and and especially motivation. I think let's talk about motivation, actually, because people feel like they can work best when they have motivation, which is true. When you are motivated, you naturally feel more drawn towards whatever you're doing. You want to do it. You have that, that little boost of energy or that little boost of inspiration and you go at it. But people put so much emphasis on motivation, they actually forget that the important part isn't motivation because reality is you're not going to be motivated all the time. You just not. That's not how it works. Motivation is a flickery thing. It's like turning on and off the lights. It's just flickery. It comes and goes. It's short bursts of inspiration. And then next thing you know, you have like amounts of time where you're not motivated. And so people need to stop emphasizing, oh, I need to be motivated to do something. No, you don't. You need discipline. You need to be consistent. You need to discipline yourself that, you know what? I don't feel motivated today to get out of bed at half 5 a.m., but I am going to do it anyways. And that's the difference because we, we emphasize, oh, these generations emphasize so much on, I need to be motivated. You don't need to be motivated. You just need to be disciplined and you need to stay consistent with it because you could wake up one day and not be motivated, but still go and do what you need to do that day because you're disciplined enough. 
Whereas if you rely on motivation, then you're going to wake up the next day. And because you don't have that motivation, you're just not going to go and do the things that you need to do. And I just wanted to bring that up because I think it is so important. No, agreed, agreed. And I think, um, like you said, your your motivation. I mean, where does it stem from? You know, I I, I hear a lot of um, a lot of people come to me for advice, whether it's it's career advice or whether it's just personal advice, and they'll be like, you know, what what choice should I make? And I was like, really find out who you are. Why are you here? What strikes you? What motivates you from the inside? What matters to you? And um, I think one of the reasons that I worked so hard and I think like you said you know it's discipline I worked hard because I didn't have a choice so I grew up I think now when people see me my image in in real life now is you know I'm very polished I'm you know I'm I'm you know I I do the whole the way I look the the way I dress the way I present myself um you know, the way I speak, it's all very proper now, but it wasn't proper. It never has been proper. I don't think many people, you know, I love, I love and love how, how much you rave about your mother because I'm, you know, my mother was a single parent. My parents split up when I was three. Um, and I saw poverty up close. I saw a very dysfunctional family. Um, my extended family, my mother, like yours, has a heart of gold. And I, I always feel like she was wronged by her extended family. Maybe that's why I care so much about women and, and their voice, because I've seen my mother lose her voice. Um, and to me, it hurt because I was a child, right? So, you know, I'm, I've done the whole bed and breakfast council estate kind of living. I've seen all of it. I've seen poverty. And for me, it wasn't you've got to work hard because you know, you can go around in Khan and tell people how many A stars you got. That wasn't the intention. That never was. It was never a priority for me. For me, my only priority was my mother has gone through hell and back. I need to do something. Um, and I guess, I guess for me, one thing that, that really resonates is I never, I never always felt, I've never felt entitled and I think we, we spoke about this earlier, just, just before we started. I suffer from imposter syndrome massively, like very, very massively. I, you know, sometimes I don't think I deserve the, 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 the places I am or the things I have. And I'm just like, why do I have all of this? And that's the beauty of it, because I work hard for for wider reasons. It's not just for a nice car and, you know, the next you know a Chanel bag or whatever it's it's not that stuff does not matter to me I'm not attached to my material possessions what motivates me is the fact that my mother is so proud of me what motivates me is if I can make a difference when I'm when I'm in Kana doing Jamaati work if somebody feels more comfortable with me or when I kind of get rid of that socio-economic disparity that we've seen in in our community that stuff that motivates me. That's why I work hard. It's to make a change in my environment. Um, and you know, sometimes you can only do it from the inside. So sometimes you've you've got to you know you've got to you've got to play. But I don't think that changes me as a person. Um, and I've had a lot of a lot of critics for it. But I think if your intent is good, I think 
God just helps pave the way and he gives you that motivation and he helps you work hard and the fruits of your hard work come out because because he's got his hand on you I think that's how it works I think not I think that is a beautiful phrase and what I wanted to to echo a bit is what you said about I worked hard because I didn't have any choice and I obviously I feel like we have we we have very various aspects where we can both relate because I think we we have similar similar aspects in, in our lives and I can relate to a lot of what you just said because I I you know I didn't have a choice and I feel like maybe if I did I might have not been the person that I am today and so yeah. I, I, I we'll never know right well, we can't go back into we'll never know but I might have not been I might have been I might have not been and I think when you don't have a choice that's when you really truly get to know who you are as a person right have you ever heard yeah. that 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 quote that says or that saying that says you never know how strong you are until strong is the only choice yeah right that you never you never know and you you find out through life experiences that shape you and similar as you i don't work hard to then flex right i'm i'm not into that materialistic stuff i i, I work hard because i just want to give back to my mom and, yeah. and that would never be enough right i can spend the rest of my life doing everything i can to give back but i know deep down that will never be enough compared to what she's done for me but at least i know that i'm doing my best to make my mom happy my family happy proud and all of that and and that 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 is enough for me because again when when you go to certain experiences in life they shape how you view the rest of the world for example you just said that you don't really care about materialistic things similar to me right because you were shaped by experiences that have triggered that reasoning within you that you know what i don't value those things as much as i value for example my spiritual life and i think that's also something that we we should probably talk about because you've you've brought it up quite a few times now and you you said earlier that hard work and faith go hand to hand so i wanted to explore a bit more and yeah. with that what does spirituality mean to you and how important has spirituality been in your life oh everything i wouldn't be where i am if i if i wasn't a spiritual person i would have no purpose and i'd i'd be very lost i think um i you know i and it it, it confuses people because people look at me and they're like there is no way you are this religious like what is this it it, it confuses them from what i am at face value to what i actually am um, and I've always loved the saying, I'd rather be an open sinner than a false saint. I'm not trying to be perfect. I am by no means perfect. Um, I, I've got my flaws, as everyone does. Um, but yes, I'm, I'm very religious and I'm very spiritual. And I think it was just my upbringing. My father is, is he's a wealthy man, but not very religious. Um, and when my mum and dad split up, naturally you know growing up i've got a massive extended family i've got all these cousins and they've got perfect kind of um perfect you know picture perfect families um and i think i was around seven or eight when i asked my mum and i said i always knew who my dad was i know him i knew but he was out of my life for 18 years so i only got checks on my birthday but i never spent any time with him i didn't really know who he was in a personal sense and i used to ask my mum, i'm like i'm going to name some people but basneem has a dad rahim has a dad whenever they want something they just ask you know their dads i don't have that 
and I can't imagine how much it must have killed my mum when when I'd asked her um and she beautifully said she, she I don't know how she did it but she said you've got a dad that you know if you ask him for anything you will get it and I was like what and I, you know to an eight-year-old this is really exciting because it's like I want a bike and I want Barbie dolls and I don't know what I wanted um and I said who She's just like, next time you really want something, you go to Kana and you ask Molabup and, and you'll get it. And it was almost like Santa Claus at first because I was asking for stupid things. Like I was asking for like colouring sets and all the rest of it. And my mother was the one buying them, bless her. But um, as I got older, it, it kind of, it was instilled in me. So I never learnt how to pray at a young age. I didn't go to Bethlehem or anything. I learned as I got older. So my prayers were very innocent. My prayers were always, I don't call um, Hazri mom Molabapa, I just call him Pa, like as, as my father. And even today I still do. And I just, I'd go to kind of be like, Pa, I really want X, Y, Z, or Pa, this is really bugging me, or Pa, I'm not talking to you today because this went wrong. And I spoke to him like a, a kid would speak to a father. And I think that's every reason for, for why I'm here, for what I do. And it's, it grounds me. It's taught me non-attachment. I don't get attached to my material life. Um, it's taught me the importance of, of looking after my soul. It's taught me, you know, I wake up every morning at 4 a.m., 4.30 a.m. To, to meditate, to pray. Um, it's taught me to bear my soul and be comfortable with who I am, to be accepting of who I am. But it's also taught me there's worse things happening in the world than what I'm crying about. It's taught me how to have a good heart. It's taught me how to be humble and success. Um, I think spirituality, not, and I'll separate this because religion is very different, but I think spirituality is an important part of everyone because we've all got a soul. We need to nourish it, especially in, in a day and age like now where we're overworked, where it's competitive, where there's bitterness in families, there's bitterness in friends, there's jealousy, there's so much in the world. You need a place that feels like home. You need peace. Um, and I've, I've always, always found that in, in religion and in meditation and understanding why am I here? Just understanding my purpose, I think is important to me. And I think it goes back to the concept of realizing who you are and just truly understanding yourself, which I think people don't do enough of that, right? We all have a body, a mind and a soul. How much we look after those three elements is down to how much effort we put into it, right? Yeah. And some of them get overlooked, some of them get underlooked. And I think attaining the balance is difficult, even for people who try their best on all three fronts. But I think being aware, because it starts with self-awareness, right? There is no self-development without self-awareness. And that's just clear cut. If you're not aware of yourself, how can you self-develop? It doesn't make no sense. You have to have the other one before you get to the next one. And just hearing you talk just now, you know, you're an interesting person. You, re you really are. And I know today is about woman empowerment and you are an interesting woman yourself. And just hearing you talk about all these different aspects of your life that come into play, almost like a puzzle, right? You know, you talk about how it works. You talk about spirituality. You talk about 
even how you said earlier that you sometimes feel like you don't belong you know the imposter syndrome we didn't really touch too much on it but you did mention it and I didn't I didn't want to ask you about that I didn't want to go back and ask you about that because I feel like that's something that a lot of people go to not just women I'm sure there's a lot of women that go to it to be honest but I think just generally a lot of people that go to it do you want to talk about that a little bit of course um so the reason I say I suffer from imposter syndrome is because I've I've always been the black sheep in everything. I've always been the odd one out. And as a child, it really bugged me. In my teens, it really annoyed me. And I never quite understood why. In my family, I was always kind of, you know, broken house, you know, didn't have her father's wealth. What is she going to do, you know? And... Um, the reason I think that's probably part and parcel of it, it was I, I had my mother who was my biggest fan, but I think even my mother had her own doubts. I think she suffered from it because she had her own doubts of, okay, you know, I've, I've made this decision, but how am I going to raise my child? How am I going to raise a girl in this world alone? Um, and I think, because of all of that, because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a straight A star student. I was academically, I was very bright, but I wasn't, you know, study hard. I just picked things up very quickly. And I read a lot. The reason I read a lot was because my life was so messy that I found comfort in books because then I would, and I would always read the ending of the book first because that's where I felt like I had most control. Then I'd read the rest of the book because it was the one thing that I, felt, okay, I know this, because I didn't know what was going on in my life as, as a child or growing up. And then when, you know, I, I've mopped floors, I've done it all. You know, I started working 15, 16, I've mopped floors, I've dealt with really horrible people, <laughs> I've been spoken down to, I've been excluded in, in Kane, actually, when I was in Beit Elm. Um, I started Beit Lam very late. I must have been 12 or 13. And I was friends with this girl and she was from a very wealthy family. And I remember her mother had invited me home after Beit Lam, and she absolutely grilled me on that kitchen table. And she said, who are your parents? What's your surname? You know, what do your parents do? Where, where are they from in, back in East Africa? And just kind of, you know, almost as if, am I worthy of her daughter's friendship? Am I astute enough? And I think it was experiences like that where I, I was kind of put to a side that I thought, okay, you know, I'm average. No one wants me. I was, I felt like the ugly duckling. You know, I always felt bad. Um, and then as I grew up, I think that the empowerment piece kicked in. Like you rightly said, I think it's always a process of understanding yourself. Women empowerment, we can kick it and scream about it, right? We can, we can do the events, we can do the Instagram posts, we can do all of that. And that's fantastic because it makes people talk and we need people to talk because it's important. But where it really starts is where a woman accepts herself. And for me, it took a very long time for me to be able to do that. Um, and when I started doing that, I ended up, you know, I, I, I achieved success. But even as a banker, you know, it's male dominated. I'm surrounded by Oxford, Cambridge, you know, perfect finance, maths and accounting graduates. Um, in 
to me, I'm a writer. I'm, I'm a creative spirit. I'm not, you know, I'm not a banker. Like I've never considered, you know, it still, it hits me sometimes. I'm like, am I? You know, so I always felt like I didn't belong. My first, my first two years in the bank, I thought, what am I doing here? I'm not good enough. And I had all my bosses telling me I was great. They were like, you know, you're, you can do this. I've had great bosses, but um, each success, I feel like, do I deserve this? Um, and I know I do, I've worked hard and I've prayed hard, but I do feel like, how did I get here? Because I was down there, like I was not supposed to be one of these people. That's why I call myself Destiny's Child, because the things that everyone said, Aisha, you can't do it, or Aisha, it's impossible, or Aisha, it's a one in a million chance. Those are the things I want to do and those are the things I've done. Um which I'm, which I'm very grateful for, but um, I do suffer from it definitely, and I think it's, it's more so in women. Um, you know, like there's, for example, I mean, throwing stats out here, women are less likely to apply for jobs um, that they that they're not qualified to do according to the job description versus men. Men may think, okay, yeah, I'm not qualified, they'll still apply. They've got that kind of kind of confidence, and I think women lack that, and I think. That speaks volumes about our society. And there's other examples, of course, I could go on, but it just, it speaks volumes because if you don't have that self-assurance and that self-confidence, you will suffer from imposter syndrome. If you walk in and you own it and you're like, nope, worked hard, bloody deserve to be here. One of the things that I, I, I said in my book, which we'll touch on later, is I don't want a seat at the table, I want to own the table. Because I'm tired of asking for a seat at the table because I never got one. And it's interesting because we talk about that seat at the table, but also it shouldn't be that there is a limited amount of seats at that table, right? Yeah. The goal isn't to give up one seat just to make some sort of equality target within a business. The goal is make yeah. more seats at the table because there's enough people worthy of being in that table. And just quickly, you know, very inspiring things that, that you just mentioned. I think I said this to you because, you know, when you told me the news about the promotion, I said, well done, congratulations, really proud of you, really nice message. And then I remember when you, you messaged me back, said, thank you, I'm a bit nervous though, right? And as soon as you said that, I, like, I picked up on it and I, I literally just messaged you back saying, look, you fully earned, like you deserved it, you worked hard for it. And I'd be surprised if you were nervous. It's normal to be nervous, but I think when you said that, it kind of came across as if you were self-doubting yourself for a second. So I was like, yo, let me just reassure her that <laughs> of what she already knows deep down. And I think yeah. going back to just the imposter syndrome, which I, I believe, like you said, a lot of women do, do suffer from it and just general people. I think the best way to tackle it is just to, to remind yourself of who you are and what you've done to get to where you are. I think that reminder, that constant reminder and, 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 and gratefulness of the things because it, it stands from the fact that even when you achieve the craziest things, you still doubt yourself, right? And, you know, I guess we could talk about self-confidence and self-esteem and deep-rooted issues into it. But I, I, I'd like to think that it's something that when you take a step back and introspectively reflect, you, you can realize that, you know what? I do deserve what was happening to me, even if sometimes I may feel otherwise. I think also, you know, it's about separating your feelings from facts. And I think 
it's very hard to do that. I think what happens is we've got all this, all this doubt and, you know, all this kind of, I'm a phony, I'm a fraud, I don't deserve to be here, this is wrong, whatever. But you are there. And, you know, I, I, went, I went for a lunch with um, one of my old execs and I told him the news and whatever. And I, I think he sensed it as well. He's like, you're nervous, which is fine. This is good. But he's like, Aisha, this is happening. There is a reason. There was a process and you've earned it. And I think what happens in, in the mix of everything is that we get so, we get so overwhelmed and it's really important to just sit there and think, okay, facts versus feelings and actually separate the two, you know? Um, and just just visualize success and just think about it long term and think about, you know, okay, I feel like this now, but if you actually visualize yourself smashing it and doing absolutely exceptionally at something it materializes. I think, I, I think I believe in the law of attraction. You, you attract what you send out to the universe. I'm a hundred percent for it. And so I think that's also a great way, a great way of dealing with it. And, and just to finish on the topic as well, another thing that I can, I can say for, for those listening is the metric of comparison is not valid unless you're comparing yourself today versus yourself yesterday. Any other comparison from you to a colleague or from you to someone else that you know or that you follow or that you look up to, it is not a valid comparison. It does not persist because everyone is uniquely different. Everyone's circumstances are uniquely different. And if I sat down right here and I just went and grabbed a couple apples and a couple peaches, and I told you, Aisha, can we compare these two? The answer is no, you can't, because this is apples, this is peaches. You can't compare apples to peaches, so why would you compare yourself to someone else? And I think also, you know, when we talk about comparing, and, and that really annoys me, and I think that's something we see a lot in, in our community and in Asians in general, actually. I think it's very much, you know, her daughter's doing this, or her son's doing this, what's your kid doing? And that is so damaging to, to kids' mental health growing up. It is so damaging to anything you want to achieve. So I think for me personally, I grew up very, very conscious of how I fit into the Ismaili community because I'm very outspoken. I'm very loud. I'm very brash. I'm very bold. I'm not this, you know, nice girl who you know I'm, I'm not that I'm not like a polished diamond I'm not shiny and hard I'm very uh, I'm different and even the way I look I mean my dad's six foot five so I'm really tall I've got curves and you know and most most of the women don't look like me and I used to be insecure about it for years and I was like oh my gosh I stand out in Karnet. oh my gosh I look like this oh my god whatever and I think it's about accepting who you are there is something about you that no one else has and by trying to be like the other person you are you are losing that uniqueness you are taking away from it and saying that person's better but why are you placing that person on a pedestal and always remember that there is someone looking at you as well and wishing to be like you and we are so so quick 
to look at other people's luxuries or their privileges and think, oh, they're so lucky, or oh, you know, they've got everything, or oh, I wish I was like that. But you don't realize how much of a good state you're in. You know, that the best meditation or the best prayer is that of gratitude. Just be thankful for what you have. And it drives me absolutely insane. I'm very passionate about this. But don't compare yourself to other people. Don't compare yourself to what you see on Instagram. And even I don't look like what I look on Instagram. I mean, Eric's looking at me now, like all hot and sweaty from the gym. Like, I do not look like that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's just everyone is presented in, in a certain way and no one's ever going to show the bad sides or the dark sides so just bear that in mind the next time you feel like you're beneath someone because there's no such thing no that's a great piece of advice and just to clarify i think you look just fine so whether it's on instagram <laughs> or in real life it doesn't matter you look just fine so let's just clarify that one <laughs> right so that transition is nicely into the what's question segment so it is a set of rapid fire random questions to get yeah. to know you a little bit better. Aisha, they have no correlation to the episode. They have no, nothing directly related to what we're talking about today. However, yeah. they serve the purpose of getting to know you a bit better. So hopefully when uh -huh. I start asking you these random questions, you'll give me a bit of an answer. Gets me to know you a bit better, but also the people listening who might want to know a few more things. And it'll be just a fun, informal thing before we progress further into the rest of this episode. Is that cool? Sure, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, cool. So I'll start easy. What is your favorite dessert? My favorite dessert? Oh, gosh. I'm, I'm a coffee lover, so I'd say tiramisu. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. When was the last time you had one? Oh, too long ago. This stupid diet and gym stuff is driving me crazy. But um, no, I had waffles yesterday, though, which were quite nice. So Nutella and waffle is a close second. But, um, yeah. The, you know what? I, I think I need to switch it up because if, you st if I start thinking about these things, it's not going to be good. I'm, I'm on a diet. I'm trying to be good. <laughs> but I just came back from the gym. Don't talk to me about desserts. I know. But I think... With desserts, I had this conversation with someone else the other day. It's like it's like picking your favorite child. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's hard. <laughs> Interesting. Are you a coffee or tea person? Coffee, massively. Though um, I can't take milk anymore. I'm trying to. I don't really have much milk anymore. So um, I take my coffees black, no sugar, and people think that's crazy. But I I love a good strong black coffee. Love it. it gives, what about you? Gives you that little kick, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's interesting, and I think I might have said this on multiple episodes now, but I have moods. So I love both, but it depends on what I'm feeling. And for a long time, I haven't really felt like drinking coffee on a regular. I just stick to green tea. I found this new love for green tea. Now, if I was out with friends which i know it's it's a myth being out right now in lockdown i get it but if if i was supposedly out with friends and we went to a coffee shop i'd definitely grab coffee like i would never go to a place to a brunch place or whatever and order tea like that, that would just yeah. never be at the top of my mind i would always order a coffee because i enjoy a good coffee but at home or like in the office right now uh well mainly my office is my home now but it's always green tea i just fill it up first thing in the morning and then after lunch i have uh, yeah. I have it filled up again because I need like a hot drink in the morning and a hot drink after lunch 
it keeps keeps me grounded for for me to keep going throughout the day. Now, next question is, if you had the opportunity to travel right now, I, I know, I know, don't don't throw me with a lockdown, but if you did have the chance to travel right now, what country would you go to and why? Um, India, India, um, multiple reasons. There's a friend, well, a pen pal, which I have made, um, who is based in India, and it would be lovely to actually spend time with them because they, they seem like an amazing person. And also, I do I do some work with a children's home based based out there as well. Um, and it would be it would be good to to meet the girls and to, to see to see what's going on. Um, I've just started working with them throughout COVID, and um, so I actually haven't had the chance to go out there. But it would be it would be lovely. I've heard great success stories, and the girls are absolutely phenomenal. Um, from what I hear, so it would be lovely to do that. And I've got family out there. Um. So yeah, India, India would be nice. And obviously, you know, go on beach and just party a little bit and, <laughs> and do that as well. But um, yeah, it's really bad out there. So in my prayers, definitely. And inshallah, all gets all gets well there. But yes, yes, I'd say India. Yeah, no, 100%. Sending my prayers to India right now as well. Now, the next question is around the meals that you have of the day. So which one is your favorite meal? Breakfast, brunch, lunch, mid-afternoon oh, snack, dinner. What's your favorite one and why? So I'm, I probably shouldn't say this. I'm on this weird diet and I try to do like one big meal a day. So I only have one meal and then I've just got little, little, little drinks. And Eric's like, don't say this on my so I only have one meal a day which which tends to be either lunch or dinner and um so I'd say one of those I think I love a good breakfast though like pre pre this diet absolutely adore a nice nice breakfast I'm definitely a breakfast girl like a nice coffee and like eggs and toast and all that jazz or sometimes pancakes if I feel cheeky um so yeah I know definitely breakfast do you have a favorite place in London that you it's like you know it's if you had to recommend a place to go to for for food for example what would be like your top recommendation oh well I like I like the ivy for a brunch um so yeah so yeah if you're if you're looking for a brunch I definitely say the ivy no doubt 100% right Guys, you all get the recommendations straight from Aisha right now, <laughs> live on this episode. So bookings are impossible, guys. I've tried, but <laughs> yeah, it's 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 such a mission. That leads me to my next question. Actually, do you like the current world in in hospitality where you have to constantly book things, or do you prefer the old way where you just walk in and be like, "Yo, let me have some food"? <laughs> I think it's 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 weird right I mean obviously understanding the position that we're in um completely understand that you know they need bookings they need to understand their occupancy the logistics makes sense helps keep everyone safe though it does drive me crazy because then um, I called a place I remember I was going for lunch with a friend and they said they were fully booked and we happened to walk past it and obviously you know they have no shows and all of this stuff and there was room and it, you know by then we booked somewhere else so I guess that's a bit annoying I do miss the kind of luxury of just you know roaming around and finding a spot um but all in good time I think I think we're making great progress and I think we're we're definitely better where, than where we were 
Um, so hopefully that that time isn't too far away. But no, it's a bit of a pain, the booking. I hate booking the gym. I cannot stand that. That drives me nuts because I'm constantly, I'm so panicked and I'm like, oh my gosh, what if I don't make it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, do, I don't really like that. But mm-hmm. the restaurants I kind of understand, yeah. Yeah, I know. And, and all you're saying about the gym is so annoying. Anyways, let's not, <laughs> let's not, let's not go into that. Right. So what is one thing that no one knows about you? but that you'd be willing to share on the podcast right now about that no one knows about me i think i'm an open book i don't think there's anything that people don't know about me this is a tricky one. Oh, so how about um, this i'll, I'll rephrase it because because if you didn't say that then everyone will know about it right so it become like nobody knows to everybody knows right so how, how about this what is something you think people should know about you um, something people should know I'm a massive animal lover um, and I genuinely believe that you know people who are good with animals they have good hearts and I'm not just saying that because I am um, and, and my mom asked me this and she said you know why do you say that and I say an animal isn't going to give you anything in return it's very easy to be nice to a human or, or another person because you know there's that kind of reciprocity you, you might get something in return you know call in a favor whatever a person who is caring and nice towards animals genuinely just has a pure heart, I think. Um, and I'm a horse rider. Um, so, yeah, I don't think many people actually know that. But I ride horses. I absolutely love horses. My dream is to to have my own horse one day. Oh, that's um, really, really cool. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. I actually didn't know that. That's sick. Yeah, there we go. There we go. No, that's really, really cool. Amazing. And I agree with you, by the way. Like, people who are good with animals... Have, it's like a different type of love uh, yeah. that you have inside yeah. your heart like 100% right yeah. so that leads me to my na- so that leads me to my last question which is I already know you're into books because you mentioned it earlier so I'm not going to ask that but what I will ask is are you more into reading books or writing books oh good question very good question um, my writing is inspired by every book I've read I tell no word of a lie whether it's structure, whether it's, you know, um, content, whether it's themes, whether it's just the prose, the way it's written. Um, my writing is very much inspired by what I read. I, like I said, right, I started reading very young. I think that's the reason I'm quite well-spoken because um, I, I was just really into books. Um, and it's new, I can't, I don't, I don't know. I can't, that's the hardest decision ever, honestly, Eric. It's harder than picking a, a good dessert. Um, I, I can't answer that. I'd say I love writing because I express myself, but I love reading because it helps me. It, it just, it, it's, you learn so much. You learn knowledge, you know, you're, it's, it's a whole new world that you get to explore, a world beyond your own, which is magical. Um, so both the sensational experiences, whether it's reading a book or writing one, so I, I can't choose. Amazing. So it was definitely a good question to make. Awesome. Yes, definitely. Right. So that ends the what's question segment. That was pretty fun, actually. A lot of new things there that I didn't know, and I'm sure a lot of people will be interested that are listening. Now, leading up to, quite nicely, actually, into my next point, which would have been, is there anything you'd like to share with us regarding books? Yes, I I am writing a book. I'm writing a book, and and it's it's a wonderful book. And I'm not saying this because I'm writing it. I'm saying this because the theme of it is very relevant. And um, I think it touches actually on on the topic of today's podcast of women empowerment. Um, like I said, my my upbringing was very 
different to, to a typical child. Um, so I was exposed to concepts like nepotism, privilege, socioeconomic disparity, you know, the, the class differences, patriarchy, even before I knew the, the fancy names and the terms. Um, I experienced all of that. And I think it's, you know, I've, I've read wonderful books on, on all of them, like socialist novels, etc. Um, and I've never actually come across a book that kind of puts it all together. Um, and I'm hoping my book does that. And um, I don't want it to be a non-fiction. So it's actually, it's a fiction book. It follows the protagonist through her life as she encounters all of this. Um, and just touching back onto my point of spirituality, I say it's where you're free and where it's yourself. Um, and in the book, the, the protagonist, she wears a lot of masks for different people. She knows how to appease them. She knows how to get what she wants. Um, and she's almost like a Robin Hood. She is, um, she's very brave, very bold, but she, she sometimes power plays to make a difference for those who can't speak for themselves. Um, and I really, I really want, inshallah, one day if I have a daughter, I really want her to take one message away from that book or any reader, if anyone does read the book, I think the one message I want them to take away is the most important charity or work or service or anything or action you can do is to speak for somebody who doesn't have a voice or who thinks they've lost one or their voices are suppressed for any reason. Um, speak up for those who don't have the courage. Either give them the courage, help them build it, or speak up on their behalf. I think that is so fundamentally important and I think that's exactly what, what this book does. It shows um, a girl go from great, you know, from great lows to great highs, but how she, she doesn't forget her morals and her values, which is quite important to me. That's amazing. And I, I, honestly, I don't know when you're going to release it or when it'll be finished. And I know Inshallah. it's still something that you, you're working on. But when you do, I definitely want to read it. I'm telling you right now, I, I'm very interested in, in, in reading this book. So you better send me a copy. Sign one, please. <laughs> definitely. definitely. <laughs> I definitely, definitely want to, to get deep into this book because it sounds like a book that will help a lot of people. I hope so. I hope so. That's the reason for writing it. I just, I, I, I want, I want people to understand that, you know, there are, we're very, we're very superficial. And I don't mean by looks. I'm not talking about the society as looks because, you know, I, people could say, oh, but you care so much about how you look. So, you know, I get it. We are very superficial creatures by nature. Um, but we are also very, we judge things on face value. We see, you know, this person is doing this and that means that we're very we make assumptions um and I hope that this book kind of clarifies that although people do certain things or make certain moves sometimes there's more to it than it seems um so it's kind of reading between the lines hopefully it challenges challenges stereotypes and mindsets I think I think that that's something that good writing can bring out right I think the best writing is the writing that has multiple messages within the same paragraph right because yeah. when we read a paragraph we always get the first message that it's trying to tell us right but we always yeah. majority of people always almost seem to miss the underlying messages that that same paragraph is still bringing into you 
really interested honestly i can't wait for it so thank you yeah fingers crossed when that comes out please do send a copy well do well do now this this also brings me to to something that i wanted to touch upon and uh, and i think today has been a very interesting conversation because we kind of just free flowed on between various different aspects of of life really and 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 now it's almost coming together quite nicely on on what i wanted to touch upon for the the fact that we live in 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 a world that is very confusing to me quite honestly very confusing and i said this at the start of the episode i i can't believe that it's 2021 and we still need to talk about this because it's still an issue right woman empowerment i i'm so happy by the way i'm so happy we're doing an episode on it because this is super important but it breaks my heart a little bit that it's something that we need to touch upon and emphasize time and time again for people to start yeah. getting it because this at this point in 2021 i would have hoped that all of us get it but clearly not everyone is the same not everyone gets the same and so sadly we live in times where woman inequality is still a big issue and i wanted to know your thoughts on it oh gosh i can talk for another hour on this it exists it exists we know it exists and i can talk stats and i can talk figures but we know the problem and it's there's no point discussing a problem there's point discussing solutions of the problem um now one thing i i will say is like i mentioned earlier it goes beyond socio economic political policy making it goes beyond all of that it's little things and the the reason i say little things is you, it's the way it, it's in conversations it's it's in perception it's in how do you speak to women how do you treat women the safety of a woman is not the responsibility of the women it is the responsibility of everyone everyone is responsible it is great because i see so many women talking about it having using their voice they they they're shouting about wrongdoings that we covered up for 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 years but what we need is we need men to shout about it because if the if the minority is shouting about it of course they're going to shout about it right because it impacts us what we really need is men who it doesn't impact to then advocate the same rights that we're talking about now um and i guess one one it's almost um a double edged sword it's it's quite hard with like you mentioned earlier we've got gender targets now you know corporates are talking about it banks are talking about it um it's it's up and coming you know everyone's like get women into leadership roles etc etc these targets are all well and good and we will achieve these targets because now they 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 are you know they are documented they are in annual reports they are you know part of csr they they're there the issue still stands that when a woman gets promoted how is it looked upon i don't want to get promoted against a guy and then hear about myself that oh well you know how she got promoted or she's very close to the hiring manager i don't want to hear comments like that i want to be appreciated for my merit i don't want to be appreciated because i'm a woman i don't even want the job if you're giving me the job because i'm a woman i don't want it All I'm trying to say is that anything a guy can do or is capable of achieving 
I can also do. It's not about shouting about women being better. It's about saying they are no less. And actually, when, when I say women are no better, I genuinely believe any kind of disrespect or any disregard to women, think about where you've come from. The woman is the womb of the universe. If you cannot respect that, you don't respect existence. When I said I do a lot of work with, with this home in, in India, I've heard stories that have broken my heart. I have heard stories about children, you know, girl children especially, um, being being abandoned because it's a girl. If you look at today's time and in, in the East, because, you know, in the West, fair enough, we it's still not equal. But if you look at it, the inequality in the East, it's outrageous. I was reading a piece um, on, on vaccine nationalization, actually. Um, I was talking about the impacts it's having on Africa. I was talking about millions of children's education being disrupted because of the virus. And it kills me because out of those, majority that are never going to go back to school are the women. Majority of those who are going to get married before, like as soon as they get their first period, that's not okay. That to me is absolutely not okay. So one thing... I hope, you know, somebody had asked me this and they said, if your daughter could take anything away from me one day, inshallah, if she, if she happens, what would it be? And I said, I want her to have a voice. I want her to be unapologetic. I want her to be bold and I want her to be brash. And I don't care how many people she upsets. If she's fighting for justice or if she's fighting for the truth or if she's got a point that needs to be made, let her scream and let her shout about it. Um, and I think we need to encourage that thinking in our girls. My mother, um, you know, in conversation, she, she once mentioned, she's like, you know, in our times, the marriage is lasted. Now, you know, look at marriages now, the divorce rates are up. And I said to her, and I was like, because in your time, or in, in the time before, like my Nana Bapa's time or whatever, marriages had to last. Women did not have financial independence. They did not have freedom. Um, now we have that. Take advantage of it. I think Sultan Muhammad Shah beautifully said, if you have a son and a daughter, educate the daughter. The son can be a laborer and he can work educate the daughter so she can then educate her children and it, it carries on so i think that's what we need to what we need to focus on we need to focus on okay how are we upskilling our girls how are we teaching our girls to be confident to be self-assured and you get that through education the issue is is that if we have all these fancy targets and big corporates and women and young girls are not having access to appropriate education or they are not being motivated or they are being shot down at, at an early stage of their life they will never reach that height do not teach your women to be beautiful and to be you know oh just you know you can get married and that's it have some kids that's not their purpose 100 percent. and i think with gender inequality it's because no one is saying I, I find it I find it really interesting how some people's interpretation of this is so off, like so off. But 
no one is advocating for women having more than men. We, yeah. We're all just advocating that women currently don't have the same opportunities as men. If as you look, men. if you look yeah. at the, the salary, the salary gaps between women and men in the same roles is ridiculous. Like it, yeah. it generally breaks. It honestly breaks my heart to see little things like this because, like, how how can you? Yeah. This is about equality of opportunity, right? And 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 that's important because. Equality doesn't mean that we all fall under the same umbrella. It just means that we all have access to the same opportunities. Like, just because you're a woman and you got promoted, that doesn't mean you got promoted because you were a woman. You got promoted because you worked hard and you deserved it. The same yeah. way that when a, a man gets promoted, no one questions that. No one yeah. makes those kind of comments like you just meant earlier, like, oh, he, he, that guy must be close to the hiring manager. Like, no one says yeah. that. Right, but, but I and I also think it's it's opportunities, yes. But it's also daily life. There's a wonderful book called um, Invisible Women, and touches on uh, upon all of this so well. And there's so many examples. I mean, there's a country which has a lot of snowfall. Um, they shovel and they clear out the highways because that's what men use to commute into and out of the city for work. Though women make more of the trips every day because you know they're going to drop children to school or they're going to a carer or whatever, whatever. Um, but the pavements aren't cleaned, so there's a priority almost there. Seat belts are not designed for the safety of women; they they're designed with a male model in mind as as a test dummy. There are so many, you know, languages. So many nouns in some of the European languages for feminine things are are masculine. You know, it took ages. I think it was like terms like firemen or policemen historically. Why is it always been? So it's a massive shift. You know, I'm not saying overnight everyone's going to become a feminist, but there is nothing wrong with it. Stop making it a dirty word is something that, that we need to talk about. And this is important. This is not just a buzzword. And bear in mind, this is coming from a male I'm saying this, like, it's not even, because I feel like people will be like, oh, you know, Aisha is a woman, so obviously she's going to advocate for it. Well, guess what? I'm a man and I'm advocating for it, right? Because, it, 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 look, at the, at the end of the day, you, if you don't see right from wrong, then you're not seeing at all. Yeah. It is wrong that women don't get the opportunities, or, or, or it is wrong that women don't get treated the same, or that they get looked upon um sorry yes look, looked upon wrongly or that they get you know isolated or this almost discriminated or there's so much around this topic that it then creates mental barriers to yeah. to women look think about all the women right now that have mental barriers towards certain things in their life because they are conscious that they're a woman that shouldn't be the case that should not be the case. And, and of course, then that will then snowball effect into young women, young girls growing up to be women, that there is almost like a fear or a, a, a woman should not be intimidated by walking into any room, right? A woman should be, in, in fact, encouraged to walk into any room and own the room, own that room. That room is yours when you walk in. It's not the other way around. And... 
it, those mental barriers that we need to start, like, well, there's a lot that we need to start doing as a society, but there is so much that we need to break down because those mental barriers are ultimately going to stop women from achieving their, their true potential. And it, it's very unfair. And like I said, it's sad to me that in 2021, it's still something that is ongoing. And I, I wanted to ask you with that is... What do you think of society's expectations? What do you think of society's role in this? Because we all know it plays a massive one, but we haven't even, spoke, we haven't even touched on what, what society um, is or not society, So it's, it's, always, it's always a good one to talk about. Society will have expectations. Families will have expectations. Um, forget all of them is my advice. And it sounds like very crazy advice and I'm not telling you to be revolutionary and I'm not telling you to be radical. I'm saying, what are your expectations for yourself? That is where a woman starts. A woman starts with finding out what do I want to achieve? What is my purpose? Why am I here? And what, what is my boundary? Then talk about society's expectations. Um, society they will try to put you in a box and I think we'll touch on this later if, if we have time but you can do everything you do not have to be a, a, a template a perfect girl or a perfect woman and you know just do this or this will look bad or if you do this then the family will say this and the family will say forget it if you want to do it, if you think there's merit in this, and if that, that's something you want to do, go and do it. Challenge expectations. We are, as women, there's this, there's this concept of the glass ceiling, break it, smash it, kill it. Um, I have always, like I said earlier, I've always been the, the girl who, uh, I was always rebellious. Since, since I was a little girl and I always you know anything people said you can't do this I'm like I'm going to do exactly that because I want to but do it within reason do it within limit have a good understanding of whatever you do what are the actions on other people there's a beautiful quote that reads um every time a woman speaks for herself she speaks for all women so when you challenge a stereotype or when you are given this kind of notion of this is how you should be, if you change that, 10 other women or another generation of women will also have the courage to do the same thing. But you set the path. I say this to my mum a lot because my mum is the most nicest woman in the world. She's too good. Okay, She's too nice. So she will be like, let it go or if someone wrongs her she'll be like oh it doesn't matter it's fine you know uh, it's okay it's okay she's very nice and every time I have to I, I actually have to tell her and I'm like you're saying it's okay but that person is now going to wrong 10 other people and actually whoever takes injustice is the bigger culprit than the person inflicting the injustice society's expectations of a woman of um this kind of educate find a nice job be married by 30 have a kid you know don't get divorced raise a family together do whatever you want it's conventional it's nice 
but it's not realistic. It's not going to happen like that. If I don't want to get married till I'm 35 or 40 because I want to smash my career, that should not be an issue. I do not like to live in a society, and I can actually say this, I do not like the fact that um, my cousin, say, if she was to get engaged, is more likely to get more congratulations and Mubarakis versus me getting promoted. Why is there suddenly a, a greater weight or a greater success attached to that? That conventional kind of, oh, she's getting married, this is a big deal. Why isn't my promotion being celebrated the same way? Why is a woman starting her own business not celebrated the same way? Why is there a differentiation? And that's what we need to do. We need to challenge it. We need to break it. We need to say that I'm a woman, I'm going to do whatever I please but I'm going to make sure that it's for the wider good at the same time. And that you still looked upon correctly and still respected it just the same yeah. as if a guy were to do a same, a exactly. same action. Because that, exactly. that's... Yeah. I, think, I think expectations on me were very, you know, I think I've got a certain image in, in our community and people think very well of me. And then when I go out, I'm different when I'm at work I'm different but I don't understand why it's kind of there's this preconceived notion of Aisha you have to look and act like this to be successful in this because that's not who I am and I think that's where I guess it comes back to your um your point to mental barriers when we have so many expectations and challenges and everything thrown at us, we've got a mental barrier and we we can't fully figure out who we are. Um, women empowerment, yes, the targets, statistics, all good stuff, reading, you know, talk about it, advocate it, all of that. But I think what we really need to do is empower women to find out who they are and be that person and be unapologetic about it. Don't say, I'm sorry, but I really want it. Why are you apologizing? Women are more likely to use the phrase, I'm sorry, than men. That's another, that's another fact. Why is that? So this is the thing. We need to stop apologizing for it. Um, yeah, but I, I think, you know, expectations, make sure you exceed your own. Everyone else's, doesn't irrelevant. Matter. Yeah, doesn't matter. And I like the yeah. be you unapologetically like that, yeah. that that is a very strong statement just be yourself be unapologetically yourself because at, at the end of the day it, it sort of goes full circle with the, the being bold and being brave but unapologetically there's no need to hesitate or to then have to apologize for no be yourself mm. that, that's, that's that's all it takes and that said i mean you will get critics. I'm not, I'm not just trying to say, oh yeah, go do it and it, you'll be fine. You will get a lot of critics. You will, you will have so many people telling you, you know, this isn't good, this looks bad, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. People will talk about you behind your back. You've got to have very thick skin. I think that's something we need to teach our women. We need to have thick skin because People will say what they want um, and they will not care about how it makes you feel. How can, as how, can long, how can, sorry to interrupt you, but how can women deal with those kind of things while still feeling empowered and unstoppable in their own lives? I think, 
So from personal experience, initially it really upset me. Initially I was quite hurt about it. I used to hear things about myself and I used to feel really bad and I, you know, I almost throw a bit of a pity party and I thought, I doubted myself. I thought maybe I'm going a bit too far. You know, maybe I shouldn't be... I shouldn't be all out and maybe I should be a bit more toned down and calm myself and all of that. And I quickly realised how miserable I was when I tried that. I tried to be this perfect, smiley girl. I tried to speak softly. I tried to be polite and nice and presentable and pretty and I was like what the hell am I doing I felt uncomfortable um, and I was absolutely miserable um and it took me it took me a while to to realize okay this is making me unhappy I'm just going to be who I am and then you know whatever anyone has to say they can say it I think what's really really important though is as much as it comes from yourself it comes from your surroundings my mother is my biggest advocate she gets aunties all the time telling her, you know, like, when's Aisha getting married? Why is Aisha like this? Aisha's with this boy. Aisha's doing this or whatever. And my mom is just like, have you met my daughter? Like, have you spoken to her? Like, I have no worries about her getting married. Look at her. Like, she did not raise me to be someone's wife. She raised me to be, to be me. Um, so I guess it comes down to who is your support system? Have amazing friends around you. Um, have amazing you know luckily I've had amazing bosses around me who've never differentiated between me and my male colleagues um, and they've always pushed me so keep the right people in your support network I think toxic relationships it's not worth it don't invest your time even getting into romantic relationships I mean I was in a relationship not too long ago last year and I realized that what he wanted was not what I am. He wanted a, a woman to cook, to clean, to pop out 10 kids kind of thing. You know, he, he wanted something very traditional. And I'm not that at all. Um, so be careful. And it's not to say, you know, you can't help it. Like, I really cared about him, really liked him. But I had to, you, sometimes you have to make difficult decisions. Sometimes you have to choose yourself and choosing yourself is not always the easiest. So just be conscious of that when you, when you, when you enter relationships, when you meet people, how are these guys contributing to who I, you know, who you really are, who I really am? I think any aspect of your life that impacts you in any way, the question you need to ask is, is this compromising who I am? Yeah. And if the answer is yes, then that person, situation, circumstance, experience that you're going to effectively needs to go. But and yeah. it, I'm not just I'm not just referencing romantic partners. I'm just saying life in general, like for yourself, any aspect that contributes to you, towards your life. Ask yourself: Is this jeopardizing? Is this compromising? Is this sacrificing who I am yeah. deep down? And if it yeah. is, then then you you know what to do, right? And hopefully. I think a lot of people will take a lot from from it. Thank you so much. That was honestly really good good advice. Now I'm not done yet. There's a few things that I still want to ask you. So hopefully we, we're good with time as well. Yeah, go for it. With listening to you and hearing you talk, again, just feel very inspired myself just from the things you said. And and I know this episode is is mainly targeted at woman but I myself as a man feel very inspired just hearing you know a brave bold 
woman like yourself speed i want to ask you something that just literally came to my mind there's this quote that says don't limit yourself i think it's an interesting quote and it, it crossed my mind whilst you were talking about society and the boxes and i think you touched on the box listening so i think it, it might be good to, to to bring that back but what do you think that quote means don't limit yourself don't limit yourself i don't have to be one thing i do not have to be i don't have to be a banker full stop i do not have to be a writer full stop i do not have to be a good daughter full stop get rid of the full stop is what it means there is no end to what you can achieve if you want to do 10 things at once and actually in today's time there's no such thing as one career anymore right it's not it's not straight and narrow it's not like our parents times or before do everything don't be scared and don't think oh but i'm doing this already and this is so different and you know it's 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 a complete change of direction and whatever do everything try everything um limiting yourself to me just means you're not maximizing your full potential i think as women we are we're, we're nurturers but we are so so powerful we bring life into the world there is nothing more important than that if you can do that there is nothing you cannot do full stop that's the only full stop so i think for me don't limit yourself has always been just try everything i i had no idea what i wanted to be when i when i was younger and um, and i tried banking it worked stuck to it but that wasn't enough because like i said i think i'm really creative so i thought okay mm, always wanted to write used to write short stories i was like oh imagine if i wrote a book and i was like why am i imagining that i can do that and so i sat down and did it so it's it's about thinking about the ideal woman and this is a quote on my instagram page but we often wake up and we think about the woman we want to be just do it is the point um you know, I put on a lot of weight and I didn't know what to do. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I never had the discipline with gym. Um, and more recently, I think it's all I do. I'm so like, but I, I had to kind of convince myself that, you know what, like discipline, drive, and actually wanting to make a change, there are no limits. You test your limits, you push your boundaries. I'm a huge advocate of failure. Um, and when I say this to people, people are like, what the hell? I'm a huge advocate of failure because it is in failure that you learn the most. If you don't fail, you will never learn how to appreciate the highs and you will never learn from the experience in general. It's okay to fall on your face when you push your boundaries. It is okay to be tested and to be tired and to cry when you break limits because I've done that. I've cried myself to sleep many times but that doesn't matter it matters when you wake up in the morning and you still try again because you really want that whatever it is you're going for stop putting yourself in boxes stop trying to be perfect stop trying to be polished stop you know don't do that think about think about the legacy you want to leave behind what do you want to be remembered for what matters to you and test those limits I think that's, that's it.
just break break boundaries and do it with full confidence and don't apologize for it wonderful with that said there are no limits your only limit is yourself right yeah it's another quote and it kind of just brings it full back to the one that we started with which was don't limit yourself because your only limit is truly yourself do you think being adaptable is important why why not so um i i you know i've always been true to myself i know my my values my morals i don't compromise those at all not for anyone that said I wear masks a lot um, and I change according to who I'm with. The the girl you will see in the community is very different to the girl you see at work. The girl I am with my mother is very different to who I am with my friends. My morals are still the same. My value system is fine. It hasn't changed. The way I adapt to my environment will change. What kind of, what best way to say it would be which of my qualities is best suited for the environment that I'm in now? What helps me get the job done? Why am I here? What do I want to achieve? What side of myself do I show here? There is nothing wrong and people people will actually say, you know, I'm just me and I'm always the same and I'm this and I'm that. But there's no merit in that. Because when you adapt to your environment or you change according to your surroundings, you shape who you are. When I started this conversation, I said, I have no idea who I am and I'm still trying to find out. And every time I change and every, every day I learn something new about myself by, by kind of becoming this chameleon and adapting to what's going on around me. Um, the skills and and you know the sides of you and the the knowledge that you have it's not one size fits all you know you can't please everyone with one mold you cannot just be this one person and be like take it or leave it i don't believe in that mentality i think i think that's rather it's rather selfish and i think that's rather immature i don't think it should be take it or leave it unless it's something integral unless you know your values or your morals are compromised then fine stay firm but who you are as a person and what if you change it you can learn from other people and um, there's a, there's another book called mindset i think i'm just dashing out recommendations you're gonna have a long reading list by the end of this podcast but there's a beautiful book called mindset which talks about the growth mindset um and how we should be open to making mistakes. We should be open to learning from people. We should take each failure as a learning experience. It's not, oh my gosh, that person didn't like me. I'm, you know, I'm not worthy or whatever. Or it's not, oh, um, I'm just the way I am and I can't change it. That's not how the brain works. It's, it's neurologically not possible. So we've got to remain, like, we've got to remember that. I think in in everyday life and it's fun being a chameleon sometimes maybe I've just read too many books maybe I just enjoy different characters but sometimes it's quite nice to to learn more and uncover more about yourself I think it's also necessary I think being adaptable is one of those skills that you just need just think about the current pandemic times we're going through yeah if you're part of the population that has that skill of being adaptable then when the pandemic hit, you were quickly 
able to just adapt to the new circumstances that you were presented with. Whereas if you weren't adaptable, you probably were struggling a lot. That and it's about being resilient, right? So it's about, you know, change is inevitable. It's going to happen in your career, in your personal life. You will go through some massive change. But it's about knowing that you're going to get through to the other side. It's about being resilient throughout the process. And coming back to the earlier quote, you've got to go through hell to get out of it. It might not be the nicest change and it might be a wonderful change. I don't know. But if it's not a good change, then don't be so stuck in your ways that the world bypasses you. You lose a lot of opportunities when you do not adapt yourself or when you do not have the courage to become something out of your comfort zone. Get out of your comfort zone. It's the most dangerous place you can be. But it's also the best place to be at. Because that's where real growth and real change happens. And you spoke about how you don't have to be one thing. You can be a bunch of amazing things. You could be anything. You could be everything for that matter. And and that throws a question in my mind, which is around personal branding. And I wanted to ask you a bit about it, just briefly. What do you think in your mind is great top tips to to start building your your personal brand because in essence being adaptable and being able to fit in different shoes well actually not even fit in different shoes create your own shoes right and let's let's use the right terminology here but create your own shoes in different arenas that all requires some some effort on on personal branding and understanding yourself so i wanted to ask you what are your top tips for personal branding I think it varies. And I think what you really need to figure out when when you're building a brand and, you know, so when when you talk about brand, it's how do people perceive you, okay? Um, How are you different? What's your USP? And I think we don't ask ourselves that enough. Um, And that's one thing we need to know. Have your elevator pitch ready. What makes you different? What about you is there that you are so proud of that you feel like, no, this is this is who I am. Understand your vision. Um, don't be, I don't plan my life. I don't know what's going to happen to me in five years. I don't know what's going to happen to me in 10 years. But I do have a vision. I do have a vision of what I want. I just don't know how I'm going to get there. But a vision is important because it gives you something to aspire towards, to, to work towards. So have a vision. Your personality. Who are you as a person? What do you stand for? How do you present yourself? Find out what your flaws are. And I think people really struggle with that. It's really hard to face what you're not good at. No one wants to hear that they're bad at something. But understand that. What about you is, isn't quite working? What about you can you make better? But also equally understand what are your successes? What is your personality like? How do people perceive you? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is that what you want? An important thing about personal branding is it's not built already. You build it. You're creating it. Create it as you want it to be. Um. And another thing is just be very authentic. You know, I've seen so many wonderful women um, 
just just achieve great things in their life and it's because they've been really true to themselves do not create a personal brand on the basis of i hope eric likes what i'm like or he views me well that is not my brand i mean i i hope eric views me well but you know it's not it's not my basis or foundation of my brand my foundation of my brand is this is who i am and i hope people like it but if they don't but this is who I am. Um, yeah, so I think, and, and understand your value system. What matters? I cannot say this enough. I think I've said it like 20 times, but what is your purpose? Find out, you know, what is your biggest dream? If you die tomorrow, what do you want? Like, what do you want to achieve? What do you, what do you want your legacy to be? Um, and I think that's one question I wake up every morning and I ask myself, you know, what is my purpose? And that is what I'm, I, I, I think is central to any personal brand. And I think that's not something you find. I know you mentioned it fine very lightly, but you can't just go out and, oh, look yeah. at the floor. I just found my purpose. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. It, it would have yeah. been good if it did, but it doesn't. You have to develop it. And the only way to develop it is by experiencing life and staying true to yourself and truly understanding like you've said multiple times on this episode truly understand who you are what matters to you your values your ethics your morals your principles yeah. i think that's that's great amazing advice honestly thank you so much aisha final question on the, today's episode topic is <laughs> i want you to give final piece of advice that you would give to any woman out there who may be doubting themselves at times or lacking self-belief, what is that one final piece of, or pieces of advice that you'd want to give to women? You are capable of anything you want and so much more. You are the entire universe resides inside you. You have the power of the universe and don't doubt it because if you're doubting it, you're doubting humanity you're doubting existence. You don't want to do that. I think my advice would be do it. Be courageous and do whatever you feel like you need to do or you want to do. It takes a moment of courage to create a lifetime of change. And if you're doubting yourself and thinking, well, I can't do this, or I just, it'll be so bad for me, or, you know, what are the implications for me? And I don't know what situation you're in. But my advice to you would be don't do it for you. Do it for your daughter. Do it for your granddaughters. Do it for your great granddaughters. Do it for the generations of nieces and, 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 and everyone who's going to come after you, who will benefit from that one powerful move you've made. Um, and just know that, that, that there's somebody, there's some higher power, whether you believe in God or not, but there's somebody looking, looking out for you. Um, you are the womb of the universe. You are the most powerful being. Um, and there's nothing you can't achieve. You've just got to work hard and believe. Everything starts with you. Everything ends with you. Um, and like I said earlier, I mean, if, if, inshallah, one day if I have a daughter, the one thing I want her to take away from me would be just use your voice, be loud, stomp your feet where you need to, get the message across, fight for what's right, um, and fight for those who, who are weaker or who cannot fight for themselves. 
Um, there is nothing more powerful a person can do than speak out in, in the face of injustice. For me, that is that is everything. If you can challenge anything wrong, you have earned my respect. So if, if it's a matter of injustice or if it's a matter of something's wrong and you don't have the courage or you feel like I can't do this, this is, you know, way, way above my head kind of thing, you can. And if you do, you you will impact another woman's life. So don't do it for you, do it for the greater good. Always think big picture would be my advice. Amazing. That was a lot of advices, actually. Thank you so much. <laughs> I, I want to add just one final piece on, on my end, but I don't know what else I could say, to be honest, that is more beautiful than what you just said. Thank you. Apart from the fact that you are enough. Yeah. You are actually more than enough. You are already more than enough. Because I know that is something that goes to a lot of people's minds during these times and the days that we live in. But you already are more than enough so just keep that at the front of your mind or maybe at the back of your mind keep it wherever but keep it in your mind because if it's in your mind then you know it if you know it then you own it right now yeah. to end the episode there's two more segments so there'll be two questions it'll be quick and i know we've had a good run today so i just want to say that i appreciate your time but Thanks. let's just dive deeply into these segments before we we wrap it up and sure there is this segment called who's next segment so effectively i want to know who's next like who do you think that would be suitable to come on this podcast next who would you like to see on the podcast next and you are free to shout out up to three people it could be anyone that you know or maybe someone that you don't know but that you follow or that you look up to it doesn't matter just give a shout out to three people that you think would be great sure. to be on the podcast. So Aisha, who's next? Sure. So um, I'd say I'd say Farah Butia, and she is my cousin, and she would be wonderful on this topic of, of women empowerment. If you were to ever do a, a second episode, because she has done it all. She is um, a, a CEO. Um, she's a founder of a company. She is a lawyer by trade. She is a supermom to the most. Uh, adorable adorable nearly two-year-old boy um who has just oh absolutely adorable so she's a superwoman to, to juggle so many hats but even though she does that and this is something I think I lack and I think she's got in, in bountiful is she's so humble about all of it um she is the most inspiring woman and I actually didn't grow up very close to her and it's a shame because I, I really wish I did. I think I missed out on a few years with her, but um, she would be a phenomenal guest. She knows everything about anything, very smart. Um, and I'm sure you guys would have would have a great conversation. So I'd say Farah for sure, yeah. Amazing. Do you have any two other people in your mind or do you want to keep it at that? Um, I think I'll keep it at that. I think, no, yeah, yeah, I think we're okay. Sounds good. So we'll be give big shout out to her, first of all, and we'll be in touch shortly to make that happen, hopefully sometime soon. Yeah. Now, final question. It's one that everyone that comes on has to answer at the end of the episode. So hopefully if you do listen to the, to the podcast, you would have known what's coming. But Aisha... What's up and what's next for you? What's up? Well, what's up is 
the big the big move at work I hope that goes well and so I think a lot of my time and resource is going to be dedicated to making that happen I think there's a lot of Jamati work that's obviously kickstarting now as well and be taking up a lot of my time so inshallah all of that goes to plan all goes very smoothly the whole team has been working tirelessly so fingers crossed and um, what's next want to get this book published inshallah hopefully that happens um and yeah just just the writing piece the writing piece um and just staying staying sane and the rest of this lockdown and yeah, I think a lot of Jamathi work is, is what's going on at the moment. And I think it will take up a lot of time of what's going next. And hopefully there are a few things in, in, the, in the works, but I don't want to talk about them too soon. So inshallah, if there's another episode, then definitely we will, we will talk about that. But lots going on. Yeah. That's great. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I, again, just want to say thank you so much for your time. Like this, uh, one, it means a lot to me. And, and two, it will mean a lot to a lot of people listening to this episode so I hope so. Thank, you. thank you so much and if you guys have enjoyed today's episode then please make sure to listen to the next podcast to find out what's up and what's next <laughs>